The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ in our new series, Identity Theft. We'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, listeners, to the Identity Theft Series. This is 155. We're in this little mini-series called The Millennial Generation. We're on number seven regarding this particular mini-series. And we uh, are covering some very sensitive and delicate information about the millennials because one of the key strokes for the millennials is that they're easily offended. Now, have you ever met anyone who is easily offended? I mean, sometimes there are these people sitting in a group that they are offended and no one has really looked at them and directed anything at them and they're already offended by the preacher, by the teacher, by the friend, by the mentor. They're just, they're just offended by sitting around truth. Well, what that actually is equaling is that you are offended by sitting around Christ. You see, because see, truth is Christ, Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And he came to dwell among us so that we could behold his his glory. And a lot of people are literally sitting in a group right now, someplace in the world, listening trying their best to embrace the truth or saying I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna set through this strong teaching I'm going to try to find a way to ignore the teacher to embrace the truth well forget about it because it can't happen you see when people sat around and they listened to Peter they either wanted to kill him or they wanted to kill themselves They literally were afraid of this this revelation kind of teaching that was going on in the first century church. These guys were classified as being in the end times. These guys were appointed for a time like this. And that was almost 2,000 years ago. So, you know, you really got to ask the question if a thousand Years is like a day to the Lord. I think that might be a quote. That's only been two days ago. Two days ago that Peter was referred to as an end times teacher. And that people were afraid to listen to him speak because he would speak as if there was an ending coming in a day or two. There is. Peter was right. A thousand years is a day to the Lord. So let's get this straight. Now we're close to 7,000 years since Adam 
Ada's first grape. Now, 7,000 years is, someone say it, how many days? Huh? Seven days! I mean, that's it to the Lord. That's why when the your grandma and grandpa or friends are truly in the dwelling place of heaven right now, that a thousand years can buzz by and it's nothing to them. And all of a sudden you show up and it was like a blink, a vapor. And that's how fast it is in heaven. But see, things seem to go so slow here and a thousand years to us seems to be so long and it's not your life listener 602-292-2982 your life is what the Lord Jesus Christ called a vapor in the nostril of the living God a vapor. It takes an entire generation of everyone on the face of the earth who wants to be indwelt by Jesus, which is 10% of everyone here, to make a nice breath for the living God. That's reality check before we move forward. Because this next verse that we're going to cover is going to reveal the purpose of these last times that we're in. And this is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 through 23. For he was foreknown. The he is capitalized, that means Jesus. For Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So when we look at our little global world view... We as humans, if we stretched as far as we could to the past, we're only going to be able to look at the time of Adam and Eve. Can't go any further. If we look as far as we can into the revelation, the future of Jesus Christ, the best we're going to do is to see pretty much how things are going to end here. Our worldview is based on this world. So that's point number one. He was who he is before the foundation of this globe. You say, but I thought he was born 2,000 years ago. No, that's when he became flesh to dwell among us so that we could behold his glory. He always was. You see, he already had the plan in hand. There's no surprises. There's no hiring theologians to psychologize Jesus' mind and life in order to figure him out so that they could write a book or a commentary about what they noted about his life on earth. That is ridiculous. Writing a commentary on the life and, and sayings of Jesus Christ is as about as emergent as you can get. 
it puts the emphasis on the human mind being smart enough for associating with other smart people to figure out what Jesus meant by what he said. And that's what turned the Bible emergent. You see, it, it's, it's gone that he was there before the foundation of the human mind. He was already there. His mind, Christ's mind, was already there before the world was formed, which means man's mind. So for us to come up with institutions and training and God only knows what else to actually train people to define what Jesus meant by what Jesus said, it's ridiculous. It's heresy. We need to come back to some old-fashioned style of letting go of my mind since my thoughts are not his thoughts. My ways are not his ways, there must be something communicated in that to say to us, I am. And I always was. Who are you to tell me what I'm thinking? No one knows the mind of the man except for the mind that is in the man. No one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of You see, the Spirit of God is the mind of God. The Spirit of God is the mind of God. So when we have the mind of Christ in us, how is that possible? Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and the mind of Christ is in us, ready to function through us, as long as we don't buy into this garbage that we have human ability to define what Jesus meant by what he said. I don't care if you are an expert at reading Hebrew. I don't care if you're an expert at reading Greek or hanging out with those that do. I'm here to tell you, no one knows the mind of God except for the Spirit of God. And that was given to us as a free gift Not to define, not to spread out, not to stretch, not to manipulate, but to accept. I have the mind of Christ in me as a gift. I don't tell Jesus what he's thinking. I release what he is thinking. That makes sense to me. So he says, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, human mind but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. You see, I can't be a believer of God, Mr. and Mrs. Millennial. I can't be a believer in God unless I'm in God. Are you with me? I can't. And neither can you. I don't care how smart you are, how many degrees you have, that's not helping you with your career. Which is one of your statistics. 86% of you who have degrees that have no careers connected to those degrees is a pretty rotten statistic. Which means education does not equal transformation. It doesn't. 
You see, it has to be through Him to become believers in God. I have to be in Him to be in God, and I can't hear His mind speak unless I'm in Him. That's the rule. Followers of Jesus Christ, 602, yeah, that's 292, and 2982. But any of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. You're going to follow beliefs of what is said about him. You're not indwelt by him to preserve you from going to hell. It's only the the exchange of the Adamic nature going to the cross and you going through the process of death of that Adamic nature. You receive the nature of God, which is Christ in you. When that exchange takes place, you're not going to hell. And there's nothing man or beast or demon or force could ever do or say to you to change that. Now that's security of salvation. It is through him to become true believers. To be in God. So that you could have the mind of Christ or the mind of God. He goes on to say, Who raised him, capital H, who raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory and gave Jesus glory. So that your faith and hope are following Jesus. That's not what it says. It says that your faith and hope are in God. See, I'm possessed by the Holy Spirit. That makes me in Christ, in God. That's a very critical piece for this verse and all the other verses that speak of in Christ or in God. So that's where the hope is supposed to be, is the fact that I'm in Christ. Since you have obedience to the truth, purified your souls for the sincere love of the brethren, fervent love, one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of the seed which is perishable, seed of Adam, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God, which is actually the seed of Christ. Literally deposited life in your mortal being. And that life is righteousness in Christ that is growing more and more every single day, like a child in a woman's womb. So the working out of our salvation is very, very closely associated with a pregnancy of a woman. And it is a seed that got deposited in the woman, the woman being the, the bride of Christ, her job is simply to be still and know that she's a vessel of this growing child. And she takes care of herself, eats the, you know, healthy, does all the correct things for preserving the growth of this child. So there could be this birthing process. So the seed of righteousness that was put inside believers, the body of this bride of Jesus is birthing the righteousness 
of Christ. And I don't think it gets any sweeter than that if you ask me. Millennials do steal the show. Now, identity has three folds to it, body, soul, and spirit. So biological, the enemy's going to attack bi- biology. And there's going to be people running around pretty soon. Oh, wait a minute. They're not only running around saying it now, they have, they have laws, federal laws to protect it. I was born this way. Therefore, I am in a subject to marriage, which is a federal law. So now I can partner in with marriages of someone of my same species. Okay. Cultural and friendship, the souls. You know, if I'm friend with someone and... I've associated and I've labeled them as a friend. There's nothing you should say. In fact, if you say anything to hurt my friend, you're going to hear from me. Janie and I were in an antique store the other day. And the owner started to get curious about what I did. I don't even remember how the discussion started. But it turned into this whole worldview thing and I was talking about Muslims and other religions and they all have this peaceful pathway until you get about halfway down the pathway and they stick a hook in you. We Christians do the same thing. This guy comes out of the blue hostile at me and the look on his face was like (laughs) and then he asked me he says do you believe that that there's no peaceful Muslims. And I said, absolutely not. You know, and he was kind of thrown back by that boldness. And I said, it's the same with all religions, Mormons, Christians, whatever. They all act peaceful, but most of them don't even know what their Bibles say. I said, once they discover what their Bibles say, they are put in a position of, am I or am I not going to believe and give my life for this? That's the only difference in the Muslim world. Some are as ignorant as can be, and others are not. Well, that creates this environment of choice. Well, if he doesn't have the indwelling life of Jesus in him, he's certainly not going to be choosing Jesus now, is he? So I expect hostility and hatred and animosity. Because they don't know my Jesus. And turning their religious thing into some millennial Jesus is not going to make me a believer to follow them. Because their testimony is filled with half-truths. Now let's look at what these six items are that actually form identity. The diagram is showing us here spirituality. View of God slash Savior. Leadershipology, which is in the Urban Dictionary. It's a term that the millennials use frequently. They either are attacking leaders that don't support their chosen leader, or they uh, are one of those leaders themselves. Sociology, which is view of society. 
physiology, view of the body, psychology, which is view of self, and friendology, which is view of relational network that is in their life. Keep in mind, the millennials are not interested in having relationship with you. They're interested in adding you to their Facebook list or whatever their, their favorite social network is. They're interested in numeric values to I befriend you. They don't really understand what true friendship is. That's the difference. And I can do that with all six points of, of identity formation. They don't really understand spirituality. They don't really understand the need for a savior. So what is their view of spirituality? That's what today's message is about. Here's the enemy's pathways of deception. There's six of them. The primary tools for the enemy's global conversions come in the form of six pathways. One, human rights. Two, technology. Three, education. Four, engineering. Five, medicine. And six, diplomacy. Now I got these six items off of the website that I got the 12 subgroup categories that we covered last week. And you can find that either on my sermon.net list or my YouTube list. These are the details that are used in marketing to catch you. If you tend to roam around on websites that deal with human rights, you're going to get tagged. If you don't know what tagging is, you're really ignorant. I would stay off the internet. Because there are companies that are experts at tagging every direction you go. Every image you look at. Every audio message that comes through your little speaker on your smartphone. They're tracing it all. They want to know. They've come to realize, they've made this statement that we are able to control the human mind if we can plug them into one of these six pathways. Are they into human rights? Are they into technology, education, engineering, medicine, or diplomacy, which is a fancy word for politics? Medicine. You have no idea how popular that is. That's not where can I get some illegal drugs. You might find that on Facebook once in a while. What you're going to find is supplements. Anything that has to do with Madi, this medicine, the Hindus have mastered the art of how to help you spiritually by going through the venue of medicine. Medicine is very spiritual. Supplements are very spiritual. People will defend and stand on their supplements like it's some kind of God. It's a very, very hot area. So is the diplomacy or politics. Technology is huge. 
All these work together with each other for them to basically capture you in human rights, for example. You may get a news ad that has something to do with someone's rights being violated. Do you know how many news blips are put together tonight while you're sleeping? Millions of them. Well, where are they going to put them? They'll put the human rights ones and the ones they've already done tags on, etc., 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 in your little list of lineup. Why is my list different than yours, honey? It's very easy to figure out if you're willing to figure it out. Millennials have their own language, by the way. So when we look at Generation Y as a whole, most researchers would agree with the simple fact that they have a weird language. There's this, there's this communication problem. Mary, as a professor, would you say that millennials today in college are easy to communicate with or are they more challenging? So here's a few of them. I've looked all the meanings of these up, and you wouldn't even believe what some of the meanings are, but I don't even want to tell you the meanings. I don't know if you know this, but the people, the generation that is into this, this uh, textile language, a lot of the meanings, the urban meanings from the urban dictionary of these text titles are pornography-oriented. And that's why they shouldn't be repeated. The, the youth today, this millennial generation, is plagued with past pornography images. Okay? So just because you've been freed from pornography doesn't mean your brain is. You're just choosing not to be addicted by it. The, this is how they think. Their jokes are kind of twisted. Their, their, their pictures they're attracted to are kind of twisted. It's a default. Yeah. So their language has a lot of the meanings based on pornography images. And if you're a millennial, you'll probably want to text me at 602-292-2982 because I can show you from your own dictionary. So if you don't understand what these words that you're reading on the screen, this is a very small grouping, by the way, but to give you a safe one, perf, if someone calls you a perf, it's not a perv, that is one of their words, but a perf is someone who is trying to act perfect. Or they may say, well, that was perf, meaning that that's perfect. It could be sarcastic when they're going, oh, that's just perfect. That's just perf. And it comes from abbreviating real English words. So, for example, JOMO, joy of missing out, is where, is where that comes from. A lot of people keep abbreviating real words and they become catchy words on the in the texting language 
So anyway, if you don't understand them, that's okay. If you do, it is their secret code talk for not having a clue of how to use the English language anymore. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.